Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. Look at my butt. Now look at my front butt. For instance, you know, they do take independent titles, but they have very strict uh, standards of what they accept. So they'll let you get your title up there, but don't be surprised if a month or two later it gets pulled, you know, and for various reasons. They, they have this thing they call availability issues, which is pretty much, long story short, we don't like your movie, we don't want it up here. Yeah, they basically they basically put a fuck you clause in uh, all the, a lot of the indie yeah. contracts, which means... All we got to do is say, we don't want to play your movie because fuck you. And don't even try to resubmit yeah. it again. You know, and it's funny, I, I, work, for a, I work for a film company, and, and we do lots of titles on Amazon and other streaming platforms. And uh, I'm not, I'm not going to reveal the title, but for instance, we had a movie that was taken down recently from Amazon for, for sexual content. And to give you an idea what kind of movie it was, it was a Cynthia Rothrock kung fu movie. So it wasn't even, you know... It had a very brief sex scene in the movie, and 
you know, we were all pretty shocked that this movie got taken down for sexual content. You know, it's pretty funny. It's funny. And I know that there's some pretty much almost hardcore titles on freaking Amazon. Oh, I've seen, yeah, you can buy hardcore porn on there now, right, on the DVDs. I think I've seen some uh, hardcore porn show up on the stuff like, uh, uh, oh, wow. Dogs Don't Wear Pants, uh, Knife Plus Heart. (laughs) They're good movies. I'm not dissing them. I'm just saying. Sure. Sure that they're kind of graphic when it comes to sexual stuff. And they got Into the Void uncut. Well, you know, and the question is, is how long is some of this stuff even going to last up there? It's like it's like I said kind of earlier, they'll, they'll let your title through for like a month or two, and then all of a sudden, oh, it doesn't meet our standards, and they'll kick you off, you know. Yeah. Which really sucks for independent guys, because, you know, they, they require things like captions and stuff like that, which and if you're not going to do the captions yourself, you got to pay someone to do the captions, and it's expensive, and... You know, you might not even make that money back, so it's kind of sad. Yeah. Well, it sucks for the fans, too, because you don't know how many times in horror groups. If I had a dollar for every time someone said, I've seen pretty much every mainstream title that name streaming service has, do you know Mm -hmm. where I can find an alternative to that? Right. Yeah, a lot of people are going to Tubi. Yeah, like you're sitting there with like a whole that's got a lot of indie point. stuff. Uh, here. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's lots of companies, you know, like myself. Like I, I personally, I'm not a big fan of streaming, so I have none of our titles on streaming services currently. And it's not from lack of being, you know, people contacting us and acting, asking to release our stuff streaming. But there's really no money in streaming, and that's part of the problem is. You know, it's like pennies on the dollar for, like, how many watches, you know, someone, you have to get, like, 5,000 watches to make, like, a couple bucks, you know, so it's, yeah. it's it's not really a sustainable model for small companies like my own where, you know, we we put a lot of money into our releases, we pay to license our titles, and so, you know, if I just put them up on streaming, I'm not going to make my money back, so hence why we kind of stick to uh, physical media. Well, look at Mono Macabro and Massacre video. They have a lot of great titles I would kill for them to put on Blu-ray. Sure. Or stuff that they just let slip out of type, out of uh, print because they can't afford it. Like uh, Massacre video had 555 out of print. Mm-hmm. Black Devil Doll from Hell, Claw Dead Zone, all those oh, stuff. Oh, the Chester yeah. Novel Turner Collection. God, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I sometimes, got... though, that's due to licensing. I mean, you know, like, I know even for myself, you know, a typical license agreement can be, like, five years, you know. So it's like after five years, you don't always own that title anymore, and hence why they go out of print, you know. Yeah, and then they either want more money for it. Yep. Or they want the same money <laughs> yep, they got last happen. time. Most guys who own movies don't understand what saturation points are. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure, yeah. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, we've even been offered some titles that I really like and I'd love to put out, but, you know, they are oversaturated in the market. You know, I had one movie recently offered to me and uh, love this movie, great movie, but it's like you can buy it on DVD at every website for three or four bucks. So what's the point of me picking it up when I'm going to have to sell my new edition for at least $10 and, you know, more than likely, people aren't going. They're going to want to buy the cheaper version unless I give them something really awesome on my edition. And that's one of the reasons too. We also put a ton of time into special features and really trying to put out the best versions we can of these movies. You know. Yeah, I mean, that's the reason why I upgrade, make me upgrade, dazzle me. Right. No, I know. It's like, you know, everyone's going batshit over, like, the Friday 13th box set right now and some of these other, like you said, you know, the 25th reissue of Living Dead at Manchester Morgue or Zombie. And it's like, come on, I, I have five different copies of Zombie. Do I need another one, you know? <laughs> Is yeah. it really going to be that much better? Like, to me, I mean, I don't think you go much higher than Blu-ray. I mean, and I understand 4K yeah. technology. I mean, I work in the film industry professionally, and I deal with 4K films all the time. And, you know, ultimately you're just getting a lot more grain with a 4K transfer. You're not really getting much more resolution. And especially in horror films, you know, that are so makeup effects heavy and practical effects, now you're seeing all those makeup lines. Now you're seeing how fake that, you know, that fake head looks, you know, which I don't think necessarily helps the movie, you know. I'm sorry, what? The Burning. The Burning, yeah. Well, you know, it's like the first time I remember seeing, the first time I watched Texas Chainsaw, even on DVD, you know, we were all so used to watching it on on VHS, and I remember watching on DVD for the first time when it first came out on DVD, and just being like, this looks too nice, this looks too crisp, you know? Yeah, do you remember was, what uh, it, it Don May did when he got the right to do a Blu-ray of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, to remaster it for people? He added grain right. back in. Yeah. And that's another weird it's thing like, some people will do. They'll degrain the movies or they'll yeah, degrain and then they'll add grain good. back in. And, you know, lots of people do lots of kind of weird things in these films. If a movie was shot on 35 millimeter, yeah, make it look as good as it can. But if sure, you got yeah. something like uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre that was shot on 16, 16 millimeter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not going to get much better than Blu-ray. I mean, and, and there's really not much of a point even at that point. You're just introducing a lot of grain. So you go, oh, look how nice or and grainy this looks. Or just too much <laughs> out, making it look too smooth. Yeah, or that, yeah, when they just take out the grain, which, I mean, defeats like the whole purpose, if you ask me. Because... They cut the guy's fingers off. You can tell it's an actual rubber hand. Oh, for sure, yeah. And that's the thing is I don't think these filmmakers, obviously, you know, these movies didn't even look that good when they were in the theaters. You know, the, the way they look now on these Blu-rays and these 4K and, you know, all these newer format formats. And it's like now these movies look more crisp than they were ever intended to look, you know, which kind of ruins the illusion on a lot of the special effects. Well, do you remember when a lot of the wire food stuff was uh, brought over here? The filmmakers were complaining because they busted their ass 
to hide the wire. I'm making the scenes a little blurrier and adding grain where they needed to just to hide. Yep. All they're doing well, it's no different all you, too, do you know, like uh, make something look too good is expose the magic tricks. For sure, for sure. I mean, that's one thing I love about shot on video and why I still to this day shoot all my stuff on standard def video is because it hides a lot of the crap. You know, it hides that maybe my special effects aren't the greatest. You know, it hides little imperfections like that. Well, and it's easier to take risks. I mean, it's easier to make something like Truth or Dare when you know that you're making it for... Twenty or thirty thousand dollars. I think it. I forget the budget, but it was very low with Tim oh, Ritter. Yeah, yeah. So you can do. Well, I think shit that first like, one actually was the first one was a little more there and put a grenade in someone's mouth. Why? Because we're not. Because who gives a shit? We're gonna make our money back. Right. Well, and with a lot of the shot on video movies in general, you know what I love about shot on video so much is they are movies where people take chances, you know, because they are made by filmmakers who have a vision and they want to do what they want to do. They, you know, they're horror fans first and filmmakers second a lot of the times, and yeah. they're just making something that they would like to see. And they're not afraid to take chances. Where big Hollywood studio movies, you have so many cooks in the kitchen. I mean, I've worked on big Hollywood films. You know, I used to do yeah. VFX and, and 3D conversion. I worked on many big Hollywood films. And there's... You know, you have thousands of people working on a movie, and and when you have so many people working on a movie like that, there's a ton of different people bringing their own thing to the table, and also, uh, you know, with the investors and all the money they have in these things, you know, they have a lot of requirements. You know, so it's like there's too many people trying to say what the what it should be because ultimately it's just a product. It's not art anymore. It's a product. Hollywood creates product. You know, low budget filmmakers. I still yeah. believe there's art in that. But I don't believe that with Hollywood. You know, I just I haven't been a fan well, of Hollywood movies in a very long time myself. Well, look at the Black Christmas we make. They tried so hard. They said, "Oh, we're not making <laughs> it like the '80s slasher films. We're going to make it woke." I'm like, yeah. <laughs> did they even watch the '80s slasher films? All the heroes were women. Yeah, they. You know, that's a new thing. Is like. They're going to they're gonna make movies to get asses in seats. That's what it's about. So they try to market yeah. it to the largest well, audience they can, and so they switch the story elements to do that. To you know? I'm sorry, what? You want movies to sell, but the audience that you're playing to is a hell of a lot different than oh, for sure. <laughs> the big studios. Oh, for sure. I, I personally like to think uh, Shot on Video, uh, you know, I, Shot on Video fans are some of the coolest fans out there. I mean, they, they're so passionate about it, just like I am. You know, we love these movies. We know everything about these movies. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of fun with them. You know, it's definitely a different fan base, uh, so it's definitely a lot smaller. You know, I'd probably be a lot more yeah. successful if I if I worked in mainstream film. But I, I focus on the shot on video because that's where my heart is. That's what inspired me to get into filmmaking to even begin with. Yeah. Well, look at Black De Chester Novelturno's film. Do you think that he intentionally went in there to make 
uh, all-black horror film for the black audience. No. I think he he's making a, 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 a film for everyone. Yeah, he wanted to be as successful as possible, yeah, for sure. Well, he just wanted to make his movies, like you said in that. And it was like he was shocked when he went to the urban video stores and they were like, can you get us ten to about 2,000 more copies of your movies? He's like, what? Right. Yeah, we want them. <laughs> well, that's what was great. You know, a lot of people don't really realize that about that film, but it is, you know, it's probably honestly the only urban horror film made that early. I mean, what is it, 1983, 84, yeah, 80, I think, was Black yeah, Double I, I, I did my checking. It's the only black horror film of the 80s. Yeah, I mean, before you that you had the AIP movies like Blackula and Blackenstein and stuff like that, but you know, that that was not really a market that most people tried to really hit. You know, and uh, another one of the reasons that those films by him are so special. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, the first ones were the guys out of uh, Ohio. And I'm sorry, they may have their fans, but to me, they can go burn in hell. Those are horrible fucking movies. Anyone who tries to defend Blood Cult, The Ripper, uh, Ritual, and Eternal Evil, I will fight them to the grave. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you right now, I am... And, and it was actually, those are all out of Oklahoma. Those were Oklahoma-produced films. Oh, and yeah, that was United Oklahoma. Home Video in particular. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Blood Cult. I love Blood Cult. I think Blood Cult's a fun movie. And uh, I yeah, also like The Ripper. Like I like Blood Lake. They don't Lake. know how to fucking use, use lighting. They don't, even, they don't even have a fucking lighting pack. There's whole fucking scenes in the dark because they don't have fucking lighting. Well, you know, I think uh, Blood Cult, for one, I mean, Blood Cult's lit very well. You know, that, that movie almost looks no, like a soap not. opera. But, even, but then I you even got, oh, totally where they said, very well. We didn't know what a lighting kit was. I've actually interviewed Chris Lewis, the director of that film. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, they had a pretty proficient, you know, crew on, on Blood Cult. I mean, it was uh, a lot of people from television and stuff like that in Oklahoma and, uh, you know, some of the other United Home Video ones, yes, are complete. I, I agree with you. Movies like Terror at Ten Killer. Um, what are some of the other ones? Last Slumber Party they also put out. That's yeah. another pretty bad one. And, uh, rip, you know, there's the definitely... The hilarious because all of us back then rented it because we're like, ooh, Tom Savini starring in oh, this Oh, sure. Movie. We were all bummed. <laughs> we, were, we were pissed. We're like, what? He's only in the last five minutes? You know, that one grew on me, though. I, I like The Ripper as well. It, it, my main complaint with that, honestly, at this point, is it's a little too long. They probably could have cut 20 minutes out of that movie. It would have been a lot better. Yeah, that's the problem with Ripper and Boarding House. Boarding House's biggest problem oh, House. is yeah. that it's two hours plus in well, the that cut that was cut. originally God. on VHS. The DVD cut that of director's 88 cut is over minutes two hours, is a lot yes. better. Yeah. Well, that director's cut is is yeah that didn't come out till they they the slasher video put out that that DVD that had both versions on it, and that director's cut is very painful. 
I've, I've got I've got through the director's cut twice myself, but uh, I don't think I'll ever be watching the director's cut again. I'll stick to their their original version. What cracks me up is the ad lib line because he was supposed to be a love. This is politically incorrect, people, but it fits the movie. He's supposed to be this stud who has done all the girls in the movie. But there's not one scene of him flirting with them or having sex with them. So out of the blue, one of the girls like, he's never flirted with me either. Is he some kind of fag? That movie's so bonkers, you know. Uh, John Wintergate and Klaus the people who made that movie. I don't, I don't know if you've uh, checked out their band or their music and stuff. They're just interesting people. They're definitely, they're definitely kind of a weird, interesting people. That's for sure. Yeah. And truth I, I kind of laugh at the fact, though. Now, you know, uh, he he started, you know, uh, kind of claiming all of a sudden that the movie was intended to be a comedy. Which I just don't buy. I just don't buy that that movie was intended to be a no, comedy because I'm no. like, where are the comedy scenes? I mean, there's some funny moments, but it definitely does not play like a comedy whatsoever. I think that's kind of, you know, that's kind of him uh, trying to defend, you know, the movie a bit more probably because it has one of those so bad it's good type of reputations, you know. And Chester Model Turner, when I interviewed him, He's like, what do you think of certain people laughing at certain scenes in Mike Devil Dawn uh, tells from the Quad Day Zone? He's like, do they enjoy it? Yeah, that's all I care yep. about. Yep. No, Chester's the man, man. That was a great interview, by the way. I love that interview you did with him. I went and listened to that. It was really good. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, really, he didn't, until the movies came out by Master Video, he didn't even realize he had a fan base. Oh, for sure, yeah. Well, and that's a lot There's of people. There's a lot of them, I mean, like Tim you know, Ritter, uh, the guy, Scooter McRae, who didn't even realize mm-hmm. they had a fan base. For sure, yeah. You know, some of the stuff we've put out, like Mr. Ice Cream Man, when I uh, reached out to Matt Hill and Jim Mills, who made that film, you know, they seemed shocked that I wanted to put out the movie, you know, and and I'd tell them, no, I love this movie, and I know there's lots of other people who love this movie as well, you know, and we'd love to see a nice DVD of this out. You know, I think what happens with a lot of these guys is they make these movies, and, uh, I mean, we could just use Mr. Ice Man as an example. They make these movies, they don't make a big splash when they come out, you know, and even a lot of critics will put them down. And uh, they move on, you know, these guys move on, they make other films, they do other projects, you know, and uh, they never expect in 30 years people are going to still want to, you know, talk about these films that they made, you know. Is this the ice cream, man? I keep forgetting, is that the one with Clint Howard or the one that rips off the title of the one with Clint Howard? Oh, so the story is completely flipped, actually. Uh, (laughs) This movie was made before the Clint Howard movie. Oh, and okay. uh, the Clint Howard movie allegedly ripped off this movie. Oh. So yeah, this well, this movie was actually made before. You know, it's whatever one gets out of the gate first. Yeah, well, and that's the funny thing too is is technically uh, a lot of people think Ice Cream Man with Clint Howard came out first because I believe it was actually came out on a video just slightly before Mr. Ice Cream Man got its release yeah. on, on video. But Mr. Ice Cream Man was, you know, shot years earlier before 
the Clint Howard film, Ice Cream Man. And it's funny because well, that's very similar. The There's a lot of similar, the, uh, a lot of similar things in them, you know. Yeah, whoever was Doctor Cyclops was of that time for Fangoria was a real <laughs> asshole. Oh, he's a huge asshole. Yeah, that guy hated everything low budget. <laughs> yeah, I mean he it really made like you wonder sometimes. You know, it's like anything B. Yeah. Anything B, it was like Dr. Cyclops tears it apart. I mean, honestly, when I was younger, it's like if Dr. Cyclops doesn't like it, I'm probably going to like this movie. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, we had so many back then because the studios wouldn't touch video, so they needed shelf filler. And guys like uh, Tim Ritter and them were like, okay, we got product. Oh, yeah. They were literally going to the video stores, you know, driving around to local video stores and, and literally selling their product to them. A lot of the companies would even cold call the video stores, you know, companies like Camp Emotion Pictures and uh, Video Outlaw and stuff like that. They'd literally have people making phone calls to video stores all day long trying to get sales to video stores. That's why you saw a lot of this independent stuff in the mom-and-pop stores, you know. Yeah, it's when I call it the big dick phase of video stores. (laughs) Once I explain it, it'll make sense. They wanted to be, we've got the most titles in town. We've got the biggest dick. Look at us. We're bigger than them. We've got more than them. Sure. And if they wanted to say, we've got the most titles, they had to stock it with the indie stuff, not the studio stuff, because mm-hmm. the studio stuff was not coming out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In those early days, for sure, yeah. It was all the indie stuff. I mean, how the studios were licensing their titles to smaller labels, you know, that's what you saw. Magnetic video. You know, companies like Nita and Magnetic Video putting out CBS Fox films and stuff like that. But, yeah, I mean, it's got like a trick-or-treat, which the first one is a must-see if you've never seen it. For sure. The one with Skippy. <laughs> Yeah, and the first thing everyone says, it's got the guy from blah, 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 from uh, Back, is it Backstreet Boys or NSYNC in it? Oh, you're thinking Truth or Dare. That's got, uh, oh, Truth or yeah, Dare. that's got one of the Backstreet Boys in it. Truth or Dare, is, yeah, yeah that one's got one of the Backstreet Boys in it. I think it's, I think it's AJ is the Backstreet Boy in that one. Yeah. Not a big Backstreet Boys fan, so I'm not positive, but I think that's the one. <laughs> Yeah. I have to go ask my wife. Truth or Dare is, <laughs> she, I know she uh, was a big Tim Ritter made some of the most insane movies like, uh, let's see, Truth or Dare. Uh, Creep, Wicked Games, Dirty Cop, No Donuts, Killing Spree. Uh, that so was many a great, great movies. I love the story that Joel Weinkoop told about Dirty Cop, No Donut. Oh, what an amazing movie. What an amazing movie, that movie. That, that that movie, to me, is one of the perfect shot-on-video SOV indie movies. Is because it's literally, it's two guys making a movie together. It's Tim and it's Joel. It's just two talented guys going around town, making a movie together for no money. 
and just doing their thing. You know what I mean? They had a good idea and they just rolled with it, and it makes for a great movie. You know, and it's so fun. Joel Weinstein in that movie is yeah. amazing. You know what title I wish you could pick up that no company has ever touched on DVD, and it's killing me. That's America's Deadliest Home Video, the one with Danny Bonaducci. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, you know, um, I saw, didn't Alternative Cinema put that out a while back? I think it might be out of print now. Yeah. But I believe, yeah, Alternative Cinema had that out for a little while, yeah. You know, they might bring it back, though. I, I just saw recently they brought back Cannibal Camp out, which was out of print for quite a while, so... Maybe there's hope that they'll bring that one back as well. That one is one of the most underseen and understated of the SOB titles of the 90s. For sure. I'll be honest. I still haven't seen that one. I've I've heard a lot of people put that one over, but I've never come across a copy myself. I wish I would have grabbed one when Alternative Cinema first picked it out, but I kind of snoozed on it and yeah, not willing to pay you know, over $100 for a copy. But I know Tim yeah. Ritter, you know, me and him, we talk and stuff, and that's one he always told me was one of his favorites, actually, is, is that one. Yeah. Do you have Shattered Dead? Oh, yeah, for sure. Got Shattered Dead. Love Scooter McRae. Another great filmmaker. Yeah. That one. I don't know if it's true. About, I heard a oh, great story. Oh, I love story. The Walking Dead. If you want to watch a really unique zombie film, and you can, if you find it in a used video store, it's like 10 to 15 bucks. It's not expensive. Yeah, Shattered Dead's great. I've heard a great story about that. I don't, I don't know how now, true it is. That one's fucking expensive. I, I've never even seen a oh. copy for real. Oh, you haven't? Wow. It was put up, by, uh, I know SRS put it out a couple times. It's been released a few times. There's a couple of different DVD editions as well as VHS editions. And yeah. something weird actually was the first company to put that out on VHS, if I remember correctly. And it'll cost you a shitload if you find any copy of it. Yeah. Well, there, there's a scene with a, a woman and a gun, and she puts it in a certain spot. No, I believe that's that. Oh, that's Chad. Yeah, where they have the gun. Yeah, I heard that was the reason. You know, not everyone still knows this, but, you know, some of those early Sub Rosa DVD releases, they cut out a lot of the gore and sex because they were trying to sell them to, like, 99-cent stores and stuff. And I heard <laughs> Shattered Dead was the title that kind of made that happen because it was so graphic. You know, they got complaints from their distributors, so they they started cutting some of the titles. You know, not a lot of people know that that Screaming for Sanity DVD that's that's been around for a long time. That's that's a cut print of the movie. You know, and some of those other uh, like those double features. Not all of them. Some of them is the dollar store ones they had out for a while, which is crazy. Yeah. Now you think, wow, man, you could get that stuff at the dollar store. You know, I never saw that shit at my dollar store, but I know a lot of other people did. And uh, you know, now now those probably sell for hundreds of dollars. You know, it's crazy how how. Yeah. Uh, DVD How much the prices have inflated on these movies. Time. You would get, you could find the craziest shit ever at your local mm-hmm. video store. Or oh, even sure. Best Buy. It's like, I went to Best Buy, it was my birthday shopping spam. I'm like, what? Island of Death in a Best Buy? Yep. <laughs> yep, who would have thought, right? Stuff you used to have to buy on the bootleg suicide market. Suicide Circle or Suicide Club. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, it was pretty crazy those early DVD days. And then you had lots of companies that were just even bootlegging people's stuff and illegally putting out films and, I mean, all types of movies. It was a really kind of crazy era, that early DVD era. It was totally the wild oh, west all over again, just like the early sets. VHS era. Yeah, I've got a no, lot sure. of those Mill Creek sets. <laughs> oh, those are great. I know. i, I got a ton of those myself. <laughs> And some yeah, of I used to work, I worked in a video store when DVD. Classic one I got because it was taken in cut because it had an illegal plan of phenomena on it. Yeah. The few, too, I know they had bad taste. Some of them got pulled for having bad taste. Some got pulled for yeah, various reasons. I worked at a video store when DVD first came out. And so the, the coolest part about doing, doing, working at the store during that time is, you know, I would do all the unboxing when we got new movies in. So I'd get to see all the new releases and what was coming out, and I'd always put what I wanted on hold. My manager was pretty cool. And, you know, I'd pretty much get to go, okay, I'm buying this one, I'm buying this one, I'm buying this one, and you'd have to wait till new release day, which was typically Tuesday, to be able to buy those movies. So, you know, I, I kind of got first dibs on a lot of the great horror films while I was working there, which was really cool. Yeah. But the problem with the DVD glut is there were too many. Hell, some of the titles that are still getting overdone released today were released like four or five freaking times. Oh, sure. <laughs> sure. Some of these have been, you know, like I said, how, how many copies of Zombie do you need? How many copies of Evil Dead do you need? How many, you know, I mean, if you want to these movies. But, uh, there's like uh, 25, yeah. I think about. 18 to 20 different editions out. <laughs> I mean, well, you think of even like Anchor Bay, like back in the VHS days before even DVD. They literally put out at least 10 different versions of Evil Dead. I'm not joking. I have like six or seven of them. I mean, <laughs> they literally put out like 10 different versions. There's an anniversary version, this version, that version. Don't you know, get there's all so the many different DVDs of uh, Evil Dead that they put out. That's what really takes it over the top. Yeah. Mm hmm. There comes a point where you just feel they're uh, just kind of... uh, Scattered Ed, Possible to Find, Mm -hmm. Uh, Fade to Black, which, thank God... uh, I heard that just got picked up, right? Yeah, that's being put out next month. That's only had one freaking release. Yeah, the Anchor Bay... Well, the Anchor Bay re-released it on VHS, and I think they did a DVD, too. I'm not positive on that. I know they did a yeah, VHS. Yeah, there's two DVDs the of it, uh, yeah. the regular yeah. and the one that was a uh, uh, flipper double feature disc with Hell Knight. That's the one I got the flipper Oh, okay, gotcha. Feature. Yeah. Right. But still, good titles like that. Impossible to find. Mm-hmm. But by God, you can get you 20 copies of the same old crap that you like, but you probably already own yeah. and settled. Right. Well, that's what I try to say, you know, even with my company, hey, uh, you know, some people go, oh, I've never heard of these movies, or they think they're shit just because they're shot on video, and I say, try something different. You know, try something different. You know, step outside of your box. Instead of buying that 25th copy of uh, Evil Dead, you know, yeah. Pick up Mr. Ice Cream Man. Pick up the Spirit Gallery. Metal Noir. I mean, these are great movies, you know. And uh, oh, yeah. it's sad or that a lot of these movies get lost to time. And uh, you love your zombie movies? Like, pick up Shattered Dead. 
Right, exactly. Dig deeper into the genres, exactly, you know. Yeah, that's <clears throat> people always weird look at me weird at Halloween. They're like, oh, I watch these exact same films every Halloween. I'm like, no, I want to watch sure. something new. <laughs> right, <laughs> for sure. You know, I, I like to do like uh, you know, I have the same Halloween ones I do every year. You know, typically we got three or four titles we'll watch kind of every Halloween season. Yeah. But what I like to do is I usually pick an A to Z of horror films, and a lot of the times with my A to Z, I try to pick stuff that I I haven't seen or my wife hasn't seen. You know, I try to uh, kind of mix it up and expand you know both of our horizons every year. You know, because yeah, you can sit there and watch all the same stuff over and over again, but. You know, I'd much rather, I feel like I'm getting old and I'm running out of time on Earth, and I'd rather spend that time seeing brand new content that I've never seen, you know. Yeah, because you reach an age and you realize that you're going to die only seeing maybe 5 yep. to 10% of the title that you want to sure. see before you die, and you're good with Or that, that we even own, you know. I mean, I, <laughs> I don't know about you, Steve, but, like, I, they're still a huge part of my collection. I've never even watched, you know. The I mean, unwatched pile. Oh, I can do. <laughs> I'm doing this whole month on my unwatched pile. Like I've nice, got Vampire right. by Criterion. I still haven't watched. Uh, nice. Just a crap load of them. Sure. Yeah, that's the way to do it. You know. And like I said, you know, throw in some classics. Throw in some, you know, sprinkle in some of your holiday favorites at the same time, but. uh to me, yeah, I'd much rather watch, you know, stuff I that that missed that I missed before that I've never seen, you know. So yeah. there's so many great films out there, you know. Or you can see guys that before they were big. Mhm. It's like how weird was it for us uh, video fans when the Lord of the Rings went over big? They're like. Who's this Peter Jackson guy? Sure. He was great. <laughs> and they're like, right. Yeah. We watched his stuff. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I'll be honest. I was like bummed when I saw Lord of the Rings. I was hoping there was going to be more decapitations and violence because, yeah, that's what we horror fans kind of expected from Peter Jackson, you know? Yeah. I mean, but he had already kind of started, you know, watering down, you know, like movies like Heavenly Creatures and stuff like that, obviously. Hey, I wouldn't call Heavenly Creatures a watered-down film. That's some fucked-up shit. You know what I'm saying, though? He's kind of losing the kind of gore-hound-type sensibilities that's really hardcore in his early work, you know? Yeah. Heavenly Creatures... I know, there's still a ton of us who wish he just... Make another slapstick gore movie, you know. I, I think a lot of us fans still yeah, hope right someday that maybe he'll do that. God, he finally does what he promises. Oh, Releases them, yeah. I'm going to try to <laughs> uh, remaster all my shit. And I'm like, yeah, buddy, I'll believe it when I have them yeah. in my hands. Yeah, you've been saying that for uh, 10 or 15 years now. Yeah, we'll, we'll see when they come out, right? It's like Dead Alive. It's funny because he owns this giant, he owns this giant, you know, doesn't he? Yeah, he owns, uh, doesn't he own Weta Effects, you know, which is a big, you know, VFX uh, uh, house. And it's like, you guys yeah. can't remaster something like Bad Taste in a year and get it out to the fans, you know? I, I presume he's more busy probably, you know, with, you know, big budget Hollywood projects more than likely. Well, ever since uh, 
ever since uh, he had his big flop with the Heavenly Bones and the couple, and the only thing Hollywood trusts him with is a J.R.R. Tolkien film. Right, sure. <laughs> but but yeah, they definitely got like, their fans, uh, you know, and those yeah, people are definitely uh, love Blu-ray. those movies. I up for <laughs> 10 cents, you know, just to fill an, am- an order. I was like, oh, it's five mm-hmm. bucks? Okay, I'll get it. I'm waiting for the uncut version. You mean the version that really doesn't yeah. have any more extra gore? Oh, it does. <laughs> oh, it doesn't. I've seen both versions. And sure. then a year later, same idiot. Oh, I got it cheap. How much? Eighty bucks. <laughs> Eighty bucks. Yeah, that's kind of the shame of it, you know. Is is this whole collector's resale market? You know, I mean, uh, you see it a lot, especially gosh, with the shot on video stuff. I mean, some of these movies go for so much money now. I mean, a lot of my collection, well, I paid 10 that. 15 bucks for a copy of a movie, and now some of those movies are worth two, $300. It's freaking insane. And it sucks, yeah. and it sucks most for the, the new fans. You know, people are just discovering these movies because they can't afford them. I mean, and so people wonder why people bootleg shit, you know. I mean, people bootleg because they can't readily get the movies, and uh, that's really a big shame, you know. That's yeah, why, that like, with my company, I don't like to do limited releases. You notice that the horror community was nicer to everybody in the 90s? Oh, well, the horror still in the 90s rocked, you know. I, I know a lot of people talk shit about a lot of those 90s horror movies, especially, like, the low-budget 90s stuff. But I personally love the stuff of the 90s. I, I mean, that was when you could go to, you know, I mean, and let's face it, at that point, the mom and pops were already dying. You were pretty much starting yeah. to get stuck with Hollywood video and Blockbuster. Those were kind of the choices, unfortunately. The moms and pops were slowly fading away. And uh, But, you know, every week you'd go there, there'd be a new Full Moon movie. There'd be a new, you know, movie from Brain Damage oh, Films. There'd be a new a movie from Apex. Uh, the big, uh, big all these great movies. SOB movies. If that isn't a contradiction yeah. in terms. <laughs> oh, for sure. But what I mean, I'm yeah, talking I remember the first time, like, renting a brain damage films release and just wow. fans like they do nowadays. Because it's like, I'm not going to fight with you. Why? You might have a fucking <laughs> title I need, and I need to trade you for it. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a weird market these days. It's a weird market. You yeah. know, I just watched, uh, last night I watched uh, Dark Knight of the Scarecrow with my wife on VHS. I bought that VHS for 50 cents, and uh, we've been selling some of my collection recently, and I just was wondering, okay, well, what does this sell for on eBay? Just kind of wondering, and I looked it up, and it's like $200. People are paying $200 for a VHS of Dark Knight of the Scarecrow, you know, which you can buy on DVD still as well. It's it's readily available. Yeah. People pay $200 for a VHS copy. And it makes you wonder, too, like, I like the movie. It's a cool movie. It's actually uh, my first time really watching it all the way through, I'll be honest. And, uh, you know, I enjoyed the movie, but it's a made-for-TV movie. I mean, there's really – it's got a cool cover. It's got a cool premise. It's got some good actors in it. But it's not like one of those movies you're like, holy fucking shit, this is amazing. You know what I mean? Like, it's a, it's a decent movie, but it's not, like, amazing. Yeah. Definitely not worth $200, if you ask me, but – uh well, you know, hey, they used their own, man. It just, was it the EVHS release or the other regular release? 
I'm sorry, what? There was two releases of Dark Knight and the Scarecrow. There was uh, yeah, the, the Prism. There's the key one. I have the key, the key one. It's the key release is the one I have, yeah. Yeah, that's the first key release. Key video. Yeah. That's because they don't know how... The reason that Dark Knight and Scarecrow is so popular nowadays is they don't know how to make creepy movies nowadays. For sure. Without jump scares. Yeah, everything's jump scares now. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons I, I don't like modern horror. Is everything's jump scares. It's like, <laughs> yeah. you know... It's like in our I slashers mean, from the 80s. You'd get one or two. You'd get that scene where the cat jumps out, you know. But uh, nowadays in these big Hollywood movies, it's like every 10 minutes you can almost tell the beats when it's going to happen and everything, you know. And it's yeah. so predictable. And, you know, I think it's only scary to uh, young teenagers or people just getting into horror. But most of us horror fans have been fans for, you know, years. It's just by the numbers, Well, you it's know? like all those horror fans that were complain, that complain about that the stuff in the Twilight movies, I'm like, fuck you, we need gateway horror films. They're like, why? Sure. How are we going to create new fans without these? Well, we didn't have those when yeah. I was kids. Oh, really? You weren't in the 80s, were you? Yeah. <laughs> Something wicked this way come. Uh, The Lost sure. Boys. Uh, mm-hmm. Goosebumps, you know. For sure, you know, there's, you know, it kind of sucks that there's a lot of elitism in horror, you know, and horror yeah. fans. A lot of fans like to put down other fans because of their taste or what maybe they enjoy or what gets them into the genre. I mean, my thought is like, hey, it's horror, it, it, horror movies are art. It's just like you either like Dolly's paintings or you don't like Dolly's paintings, but that's okay as long as you enjoy art and you enjoy, you know, the genre in general when it comes to horror, you know, like I would never judge someone because they like a movie I don't like, you know, I would voice my opinion if they wanted my opinion on a film that I didn't like. I'd I'd tell them why I don't like it, but I'm not going to tell them that they're stupid or that it's shit or, you know, I really hate that kind of elitist attitude that you see a lot. You know, I see it a lot on Facebook all the time. Oh, yeah, you see a lot in horror groups nowadays. You don't like it, so yeah. you ain't a horror fan. And especially like for the young kids, you, know, you see the young kids who are just getting into it, and obviously they don't know a ton, you know. They're just, like you said, maybe they came from Twilight or God, you know, whatever brought them into the genre. And, uh, you know, people just give them shit, you know, like, oh, you're not a real horror fan, you know. You know, it's the same thing in, like, the punk rock scene in the 80s and 90s, you know, and, and stuff like that. It's just oh, the punk elitism, yeah. you know. You're not punk. It's just kind of You're bullshit. You're not punk. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really crap, man. Uh, I'm all about embracing favorite, young people who are getting into horror, you know. proudest that you put out for the people that might the be proudest. Oh, some money at you. Wow. Well, you know, I'll be honest. I'm proud of almost all of them. <laughs> you know, I'm a one-man company for the most part. So, like, you know, I pretty much do just about everything myself. And uh, it's a lot of work. But uh, I, I'd say that there's a couple titles that really stick out to me immediately. Uh, Mr. Ice Cream Man would be one of them. That was one that I just really wanted to do. And 
I mean, we worked on that release for a better part of seven months, putting that release together. It's one of our best-looking releases. It's loaded with bonus features. So that one was like a really big deal to me. Uh, another one was actually our first release, Metal Nor, which was a lost movie. I mean, it was a lost movie until uh, I pretty much discovered it on a VHS tape. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I actually had to remove, edit that movie from scratch to do the DVD release so we could put out the best version possible. And that's a particular one of my favorites as well. And uh, the other one that's really big for me and another one of my favorites we put out is a movie called The Spirit Gallery, which was made by John Streisick. Um, people might know him. He directed one of the segments in Dark Romances. Um, he also did some stu- uh, directed some stuff for Tales from the Dark Side, the series, and Monsters, and uh, wrote Stuart Gordon Stuck. Very uh, talented filmmaker. And uh, his movie, The Spirit Gallery, I don't, I don't even, he claims it was released. I've never found a release other than the VHSs that I have that he sent me. And uh, it's an amazing movie. I mean, that's one of those movies that, you know, I feel if it was shot on film, horror fans would be talking about it today. It's kind of like a body horror type film, you know, maybe along yeah. the lines of society or something like that. And that's what I say about a lot of these movies. It's like if they were shot on film, I think people, they'd be cult classics. You know, nowadays it kind of shocks me some of the movies people consider cult classics, you know, and uh, I which is great seeing some of these more B titles becoming, getting those uh, that those kind of uh, reputations now. But I, yeah. I, I just wish uh, people would open their minds even a little more and, and check out some of the, you know, whether it's shot on video or just even lower budget independent films because there's so many great titles out there. And sadly, a lot of these movies are getting lost to time because – you know, people don't put them out. It's like you said, they yeah, go out of like, print. People uh, don't put them out. People yeah. forget about them. My top three that I wish that someone would put out but probably never will is, uh, of course, number one, The Devils. We'll never see an uncut right. version of that on Blu-ray. That's or the DVD. Ken Russell one you're, you're referring to? Yeah. Yeah. Number two probably will be Eyes of Fire. I'm not familiar with that one. Oh, it's on YouTube. You need to see it. It's very, very creepy. It's one of those that the witch. That's one of the first things I like. Talked to a friend of mine who had seen it, and we and we watched the witch, and they're like. They had to have seen Eyes of Fire. Hmm, okay. And, of course, uh, Grim Prairie Tales, which is a very bizarre horror. Grim Prairie Tales, yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. That's like, doesn't that, that's like uh, James Earl Jones and, uh... It is lost. Stephen Dorff, I think. It wouldn't surprise yeah. me if you see, like, Vinegar Syndrome put out something like Grim Perry Tales eventually. i got a feeling that one. Someone's going to pick that one up eventually, you would yeah, think. Uh, At least you'd hope. Uh, but, yeah, there's so, like you said, there's so many goodness. Like, everybody, if I had to offer every time that Silent Night, Deadly Night, <laughs> 1 and 2 and 3 came out, I'd be rich. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I saw that they're putting out another edition of one and two. Five is my favorite. I love it. 
I watched yeah. five every every Christmas. Me and my wife actually that was the first movie I ever watched with my wife, and so we watched it on our first date. And, uh, now I watch it every every Christmas, and we we, we make sure to watch that one. My yeah, favorite Silent Night, Deadly Night, so great. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and hell yeah, Mickey Rooney. You know, I mean that's all you got to say. You yeah. got Mickey Rooney in a Christmas slasher film. I mean, you know. Great and effect it goes by screening that, George. places that we can't spoil or you wouldn't think it would. For sure, yeah. That's definitely one saying, that people what haven't the fuck seen. By the know, check it out. <laughs> <laughs> There's Elves yeah, by Dan Haggerty, which would become oh, an gosh, amazingly so big cult classic if that one ever got yeah. a good release. You know, and uh, it, it's sad because... Uh, I work for a company that was almost able to license elves. And I'm not quite sure exactly what the hang-up is with it, but there is some kind of weird legal hang-up with elves, unfortunately. Which is really sad because it's such a batshit crazy fun movie. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's so fun. And Dan Haggerty's cool in it, and the story obviously is just so bonkers and crazy. Have you ever seen the R-rated cut of elves? I, well, I think what happened was I think there's only one version, isn't there? Didn't they improperly put that it's PG-13 on the box and it's not? No, <laughs> I'm pretty I've sure that's the, on, the case. Hey, I have the, the one VHS. on YouTube is a PG-13 version. It doesn't have uh, the full sex like scene with her and the elves and her coming while the elves are diddling her. Right. And yeah. it has one of the funniest gags cut out of the movie because... The FX were looping out of it. It shows him and her smoking a cigarette after the sex scene. Wow. Yeah. Oh, maybe I haven't seen that version. I just have the VHS, you know, the old VHS they released. Great movie, though. Uh, you know, that's another one. Sadly, yeah. not, not on DVD, not on Blu-ray, and who knows if we'll no. ever see it. And that's the other problem, you know, people don't realize that some of these movies don't come back out because there's lots of issues with the rights, you know. And what happened a lot, too, in the 80s and 90s is you'd have all these fly-by-night video companies that would pop up, you know, put out a ton of great movies. But then, you know, five, six years later, they go bankrupt. They sell all their assets to another company. And now that company owns it, but that company just bought 10,000 movies, you know? So they just bought this huge catalog, so they don't even know what they have, you know? Like, a lot of these great movies, you know, are being sat on by companies, you know, like, you know, MGM or whatever, you know, Universal Library now, what what these companies own, and I don't don't even think they know what they own. And exactly, they don't give a shit because they don't see, they don't see that they're going to make enough money off of it, you know? Yeah. The luckiest we can get at this point is, is, is yeah, you, you can hope that maybe they'll put it on streaming eventually. But as far as physical media releases on a lot of those types of titles, yeah, we're, us fans are really screwed, you know. Yeah, I mean, how would you like to see a movie that was written by Ed Wood that has Billy Zane as a psychotic... Oh, sure, the day I woke up earlier, the day I died, yeah. Money. What? Uh-huh. That. Yep, I, I remember that one. That one you could only get. Uh, they did release that in Europe. I forget what uh, what region it was. It was somewhere in Europe. Yeah. 
but there's so that much legal issues uh, with it here yeah. with the producers and everybody fighting yeah. each other that everyone involved yeah, we'll never in this is never coming out over here. And it's, I yeah. woke up early the day I died. Yep. Yeah, it's such a bummer. I remember, like, first reading about that in Fangoria and being like, wow, this is so great. You know, they're making this Lost Ed Wood script into a big movie, and they got all these big actors attached to it. And and then you're like, what the hell happened to that movie? You know, and I, I didn't find out it even got released until uh, I'm good friends with the director, Rick Sloan, and I've done a lot of work yeah. with him and stuff. And one day I was hanging out with him at his house, and, and he mentioned it, and he's like, oh, I just got the DVD I got, you know, from, from Europe or whatever. and you know, so. I love it. It's insane. <laughs> I mean, you gotta love any movie yeah. that has Bud Court as a shoe sniffer. <laughs> a gay shoe sniffer. Hell, any movie with Bud Court is cool in my book. <laughs> yeah, you gotta love Bud Court. <laughs> I mean, and there's a lot of movies that never even did get released, like uh, The Love God. Have, you've probably heard of that because that one's like famous in the things. It's pretty much almost no God, one's don't... seen it. You're not talking about, uh, gosh, what's his face? No, not the Don Knotts film. The one yeah, from the Don 90s <laughs> that has the creatures under the sewers that when they uh, sting you with their stingers, it turns you into like a big phallic lump, and all you want to do is have sex with each other. And there's like a mad doctor injecting people with the poison, and a couple trying hmm. to talk to each other, <laughs> and a girl wandering around wanting to sacrifice people to college. <laughs> yeah, only I don't think I know that one, you know. It. It's even it's as insane as that sounds. Sure. <laughs> it's one of those movies that's like your friend watched a movie on drugs and then tries to get you. <laughs> well, that sounds pretty like, cool. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's really sad that a lot of these movies, you know, we'll never get to see, you know, and that's that's why it's so important, you know, for. Uh, you know, I hate to toot my own horn again, but companies like mine and other companies like SRS and Vinegar Syndrome and these boutique labels that are picking up these movies that not, you know, that that were kind of forgotten, you know, and, and giving them new life and, and bringing them to a whole new audience of uh, DVD fans and movie fans. Yeah, and we're almost up to the hour point. Good Lord, this has went by too fast. <laughs> but... The one that I would like to promote is I don't see any other company but yours putting out gore filth short films. I've seen them. He sent yeah, me a we, copy of about two or three of them, and they're just crazy. Nice. Oh, they're so fun. They're so fun. And, and, and this uh, this release we're putting out of his movies, you know, it has two of his movies that have never been released, so it will be uh, yeah. it's a total of four shorts. And, uh you know, they're a lot of fun, and uh, I think people are going to dig them. I, I, you know, I'm a big fan of Gore Filth, and, uh, you know, I'm really excited about putting those out. And we're putting those out this uh, for this Halloween season, so those will be out October yeah. 13th at com. And it's got to suck with 
really suck for you little guys that you don't have the cons this year. Because that would probably be an easy way oh, to yeah. sell your stuff. Yeah, you know, before all this happened, it's really funny because, you know, we, this is only our first year. It's kind of, We just had our one-year anniversary, even though we're up to what I just put out. I just put out release 17. Yeah. You know, but, uh, you know, and I ordered a ton of my product to do conventions this year, and now I just have boxes of DVDs, you know, <laughs> waiting for me to go do cons if they ever, you know, they ever start up again, so... Hopefully, fingers crossed, you know, we'll get past this virus soon and, uh, and people can kind of get back to normal. Bad, you could do mystery boxes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, eventually we'll, we'll take definitely three or four sell of the them. random titles out of it, charge, charge people for it. You don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> well, what's really great about a lot of our fan bases, you know, is, is uh, and that's one thing I love about the independent horror fan base is they're very loyal, you know. So I've found that a lot of our fans, you know, they come back and they buy every one of our titles, which is just great. Yeah, you know? that's one thing to but I think it also goes to Treat your fans right. They'll come back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that and also, you know, try to put out good product, you know, ultimately. I mean, I don't put out anything unless I'm a fan of it first. I've turned down a ton of movies that, you know, probably could have been successful for us, you know, sales-wise, but I just didn't like the movie, and I don't, you know, I want to have integrity as a company and only release movies that I'm personally a fan of. Yeah. Well, that's a good thing. You rarely see that. Most people are just like, I just want to make as much money as I can and get out. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Like, if you ever uh, put out something like Return of the Living Dead 2, do I have the right to come track you down and bash your head in for a (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, like I said, uh, films are very subjective, so who knows, you know. You know, some people probably will want to bash my head in for some of our releases we've already put out. But, uh, like I said, personally, I'm a fan of them all, and uh, I try to, you know, at least try to have integrity that at the end of the day, you know, Maybe it's not for everyone, but I liked it, and it was a lot of fun, you know. It's cool that you put out one of Enrique's uh, movies, because he has a very solid Yeah, we're putting out one of his first ones. One of Henrik's first ones, yeah, Slumber Party Murder Mania. We just announced that one. That one's coming out in November. That one's a blast. I love that one. And didn't you put out one of... uh, uh, Donald Farmer's movies too? No, I haven't done any Donald Farmer stuff, unfortunately. Uh, who knows, though? Oh. Never say never. Maybe someday. I was. I don't know if they'll ever get released, but, uh, you know, they, there was an original Cannibal Hooker shoot that was done in Florida before he made the proper Cannibal Hookers movie that everyone knows from the 80s. Yeah, the worst. And, friend. um,. Yeah, and I was the one who uh, re-edited all that footage into an actual kind of narrative thing. <laughs> so, And I did that years ago. A company was supposed to put it out, but that company uh, fell by the wayside, unfortunately. So I'm still hoping someday that that footage, you know, gets out there. But if anyone wants to see some of the footage, we did put it on our website at sovhorror.com. If you look at the SOV, the True Independence section of our website, which is a documentary yeah. series we have, you can find some of that footage. 
if you're an independent so my good buddy Clint filmmaker, Kelly just put out Hooker with a hacksaw, which is cool. Yeah. If so. you're an independent filmmaker and you get the chance, talk to and listen to Donald Farmer. You will learn. Oh, sure. Donald's a veteran, man. Veteran. That was one of the best half hours I ever spent in my life. It was the poor screening of his movies. We just sat talking about what, what, and whatever. There was a lot of people walked <laughs> by us that talked to us like we were talking like in some foreign language, but I could give a damn. <laughs> yeah, Donald Don is awesome. He's really cool. Really cool guy and great filmmaker. I mean, Demon Queen, Red Lips, Cannibal Hookers. I mean, so many classics under his belt. Yeah. Uh, his was the Shark Exorcist, the one that he oh, did. Yeah. yeah, which is a hilarious one, and it? it's one of those bizarre ones that goes in weird places you wouldn't expect. That's Donald for you, right? <laughs> now, that's what I like about SOV to finally finish off before I say goodbye, is that. They're willing to, like, we're driving down the road straight, straight. Okay, we're going to drop and drive through the middle of the woods for no freaking reason. Mm-hmm. That's what's great about them is, you know, they're not afraid to take chances. They're not afraid to uh, do different and unique things, you know. Yes. And you also got the third one. You really can't always see where like, they're going. I don't know if I'm ever going to make another movie again, so I'm going to put every crazy fucking idea I ever had in my fucking head in this movie. <laughs> Uh-huh, yep. Mm-hmm. And remember, people, if you're looking for something new this Halloween, and what is usually the price range for your titles? Um. Well, uh, most of them are around, uh, I'd say, 13 to uh, $15 is kind of the average. Some of our more uh, bigger titles... We we go up to eighteen, but we never go over eighteen. And I even have movies as low as six dollars. So and we do sales all the time. I do ten dollar sales, six dollar sales, all the time. So I try to keep the price points really low, so um, you know people can afford them. <laughs> you know, you were talking about we, we were kind of talking earlier about you know re-releases costing fifty dollars and stuff like that, yeah. and it's like. I try to avoid anything like that. You know, I'm a fan first. Like and I'm a distributor. I a lot of good titles that I would want this year. And then I go to their website with my money and I look at the prices and I go, go fuck yeah. yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I, I kind of agree. You know, I, it's like I, they put out a lot of stuff I want to grab too. And then I look at the price and I go, I just can't justify buying my fourth copy of this movie for 40 bucks. <laughs> Even if it's your first copy, it's still 40 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's a lot, it's a lot for a movie, you know, and always, so that's remember, why we try to keep our stuff inexpensive. Being you know. a cheap bastard horror fan is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. I've got DVDs. <laughs> And Blu-rays worth a hundred dollars now plus. Why did I buy them? Because I'm a cheap bastard, and they were cheap. <laughs> yep. And people didn't. That is buy the funny them. thing is some of the cheap ones are worth the most now. It is kind of funny. Yeah. I mean, I've seen people, people buy our titles. Have good happy Halloween month, and like I said, where do they go on oh, Facebook sure. to keep up with you and your sales? 
Yeah, so if anyone wants to look me up on Facebook, I'm uh, Tony Massiello, uh, M-A-S-I-E-L-L-O. You can find me there. You can also find SOV Horror on Facebook, as well as we have another group on Facebook called SOV The True Independence, which is all about shot on video horror films, and you can find us there. And then, of course, there's just SOVHorror.com, where we have our DVDs we sell, our various web shows, our various podcasts, a ton of content. So even if you're just getting into shot on video movies or you're a huge fan and been a fan for years, there's probably something on the website for you. So definitely check it out, guys. And uh, uh, one of her one of his podcasts has Rebecca Reinhardt on it, and she's the crazy-ass white girl horror fan in a good way. Oh, Rebecca's so awesome. She she's she's great. I, I love Rebecca. She's so nice and supportive, and uh, she's she's making quite a name for herself on her own right now. I mean, she just directed yeah. her first feature, and uh, she's starring in movie after movie after movie. And she's actually in my latest movie, Natasha Knight's Boudoir Blood, that's coming out in November. And uh, yeah, Rebecca's awesome. Love Rebecca. Oh, and speaking of snooze and you lose, he just sold last night and early Saturday morning. Friday night and early Saturday morning, uh, an initial run of how many type copies was it? We only did 20, so we just did 20 yeah, signed 20 copies. copies. That's kind of a pre-release for our fans. Him and the producer. And they vanished yeah. just like that. Yeah, they went really fast, yeah. He does new well, I rarely do autographs, sales so. <laughs> like all the time, so you need to keep up with this stuff on the, face, on the Facebook or SOV.com. And thank you for being on, and I'll probably have something special after this on there because I like overdoing the content in October. (laughs) Cool. Well, it's been a great great talking to you again. I I had a lot of fun last time and had fun this time. And uh, anytime you want me back, uh, feel free to ask. What's the newest one, SOV Horror? Yeah, it's just called the SOV Horror Podcast, and you can find links to that on our uh, website, SOVHorror.com. And, yeah, it's just casual conversations with uh, filmmakers and actors, actresses, and uh, fans of shot-on-video movies. And we just did the second episode. I'm recording the third episode uh, actually tomorrow. So we're going to be putting out one a week pretty much. So it's a lot of fun, especially if you're into shot-on-video movies and, and directors and filmmakers we got a lot of cool guests coming up. And good night, everybody, and happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, guys. Thanks.